What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. Come on, Pete, <laughs> and, we have time. Yeah, so I was drinking, here. man. I was drinking. <laughs> Uh, Welcome, everybody, to our show. Very excited to have you here. Very excited to have you watching, whether you're over on the tube, the old YouTube. And if so, give us a little bit of a thumbs up there. We always like that. We're over here on Crowdcast. Hello to Crowdcast as well. Um, Justin, Pete, how are you guys doing today? We didn't get to chat because Justin came in pretty hot before the show. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. And that means seconds from when we go live, which is responsible. <laughs> seconds after, but yes. Oh, okay. Okay, if you want to quibble about that. <laughs> um, yeah, like all professionals, uh, like professional athletes, football players, if you're, uh, say, a Buffalo Bill, you show sure. up right as the game starts. You run out on the field and mm-hmm. start playing. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I don't watch a lot of sports, but it's party rules, right? Like you show up an hour late and that's cool. Yeah, Exactly. Party rules. Party <laughs> rules. What parties party are you talking rules. about, Alex? <laughs> uh, I haven't been to any parties in a while. Uh, we have a question here in the, the comments. Eduardo asks, what's Pete's shirt? I just see black. Uh, first of all, adjust the uh, uh, monitor, but it's a BLM Punisher shirt, right? Pete? That's right. Uh, no yeah, further Jer- questions. Yeah. Jerry, uh, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Yeah. Jerry was uh, trying to guy created the Punisher trying to do something so it wasn't so, you know, the cops and Punisher. He was redeeming the Punisher. Trying to be like, hey, man, you know, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, let's not uh, let's not make the Punisher associated with the cops so much because they're killing black people and it's not cool. That's right. He said it in that same voice. (laughs) He went real high at the end like that, which is when you bought the shirt, right, Pete? Oh, hey, what? What? <laughs> oh, I thought what? you were making a high joke, like you got high and then bought it. Oh, yeah. No, I was not. You know what? Uh, this is uh, going off the rails already. So I think we're going to plug a first of two guests. We have two amazing guests for you. Later in the show, we're going to have Cullen Bunn is going to be on to talk about Shadow Man from Valiant. But right now, I'm going to invite our first guest into the stream here. His name is Dan Panosian. He has a new book from Boom called An Unkindness of Ravens. We talked about on the Stack podcast, really like that sure quite a did. bit, uh, so I'm very excited to chat about that. He is also the creator of Slots, a great book that we reviewed a little while back. Coming Dan Pedosian, everybody. Hello. Hey. Hey, hey guys. How you hey. doing? Good. How are you? What uh, Since we're talking about shirts, what does that say on your shirt? Bathorn? Oh, that's a bathory. Um, oh, a bathory. Yes. You know, friendly uh, black metal shirt. <laughs> uh, well, I love it. Uh, and as mentioned, we also really, really love the first issue of An Unkindness of Ravens. Uh, it felt, uh, I, I don't want to put words in either of your mouths, Pete or Justin, but it don't just felt care. like one of the strongest debuts of the year, in my mind, kind of came out of nowhere. For anybody who hasn't checked it out, it's it's very close in a weird way to the craft, but feels like there's a bunch of riffs on there mixed with Sabrina mixed with a couple of other mythology things, uh, but great and fresh and original in its own right. From you, what was the inspiration? Where did it come from? It's funny. I never, um, I get a lot of the craft. I've been, you know, I look on the internet and I I like to see the reactions of everyone. And I've never seen the craft, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that it resonates with with people on any level. So if, if you like the craft, all right, this is great. Then um, to be fair, I've also never seen the craft, but I have seen the poster, and this kind of looked like that. Yeah. Wow. 
that's journalism, which is what we do here on our podcast. Well, we did. We actually um, we did a craft, um, I guess, homage cover. Rossi mm-hmm. uh, Gifford from Canada drew this amazing cover, and he even changed the logo and everything, so it looks like it's the craft logo in a sense. Well, so where did this come from then? This is obviously a big change from Slots, which also great, but that's a gambling Vegas fighting book. This is nothing like that. No. I've just always been fascinated by cults. Maybe it's like living out here next to a Scientology cult or something. But Oh, yeah. Religion, whatever you want to call it. But I I just find like all cults (laughs) kind kind of interesting, you know? They're... They're, uh, we just we just don't know anything about them. That's why they're cults and uh, they're secretive. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if some of the people that escaped, you know, the Salem? In this case, it's not really Salem, but it's it's kind of like Salem. And there were a lot of witch trials prior to Salem. And in this case, with some people were able to escape, and they've been plotting their revenge for years and years and years. And they've kind of infiltrated different spots. You know, there's a lot of talk about like the Illuminati and like, oh, my God, every, you know, it's all, you know, we're all screwed. And, you know, in this sense, we have both sides of the coin, like the um, persecutors and the persecuted, both kind of filling up spots in authoritative positions to kind of exact their revenge in both cases. Well, talk about the genesis of the characters as well, because you have a lot of uh, young female characters all in high school, all getting embroiled in kind of this witchcraft stuff. And you have two very different groups going on at the same time. Uh, so there's a lot to balance in that first issue. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of information and I, I hope everyone can kind of stick with it. Like it's, I don't know if have you guys seen that, the haunting of uh, Bly Manor on Netflix. Yes. yes. It's so cool. And that's kind of yeah. a slow, you haven't Pete? No, no, I'm scared of that kind of stuff. Pete <laughs> only, Pete's scared of scary things. He watches yeah. romantic comedies. Well, like when Harry met Sally was as scary as it gets for him. <laughs> in certain parts towards the third act it does get pretty scary so um there is romance in there pete there's lots of romance in in blind yes. manner that's yeah. what i was telling him yeah uh, jump right in all right all right um, <laughs> it's it kind of like that show for instance is kind of a a slow burn it's not a it, you don't you know jump right in and you know every, there's ghosts at every corner and you know people are getting scared and this is the same sort of story. It, it, it takes you a little while. You're on the path of um, the main character, and, and you're getting information as she gets information. Um, uh, what was I going to say about the, Yeah, um, basically. Um, compared to the book, I feel like, uh, especially with horror or scary stories in general, like – the frontier, it feels like it's the layering of of information and sort of like yeah. mixing genres a little bit and finding ways to be like, this is the take on uh, a witch story and it has all these new elements that I'm bringing to it. Because we've yeah, just seen so many stories in our lives at this point. We've seen so many so many different witch stories and horror stories. This story takes place, it's, it's the first arc and it deals with the um, – the ravens on a high school level and you'll find that there's ravens at every stage of life. So there'll be black ravens, um, blue, uh, red, and then gray and then white, um, for instance. And so they just keep getting climbing up that tree. So you're going to get to the elder ravens and obviously scarlet in the ravens kind of represents the survivors. They, you know, they, they've taken this, this spot that they survived, but really it's, it's kind of the other way around. Um, We'll talk about Ravens as an inspiration then. Why specifically hook into them? 
<laughs> why the, why the, even the title? Why those them? birds? There are better uh, birds, I mean, Dad. Why not those terrifying yeah. hummingbirds? <laughs> I know. I should have gone with that. What was I thinking? <laughs> An unkindness of hummingbirds. I, you know, there's like a pride <laughs> of lions and a yeah, and a uh, you know whatever a pack of wolves. You know, an unkindness of ravens just—it's too know, good. It just sounds so cool. What about an unkindness of ducks? Those fuckers are on. Hold on, let me write that down. That sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Series two: an unkindness of ducks, mallards. Ooh, how do you? See? How do you? Uh, this is something that we talk about a lot, uh, particularly when we have folks on the show who are writing books that are set in magic worlds. But uh, what's your take on magic? I know there's the off-repeated line about you got to set up rules because magic can do anything. So how do you approach those rules or do you approach it differently in this book? Well, in this book, I want like magic and say Satanism or, you know, the devil being a part of magic to be two separate things. Mm-hmm. And down, down the road, there, there might be like a little bit of a crossover, just a tiny, tiny bit, mm-hmm. but I want them to be separate. And uh, I want these, I just don't want it empowered that way. So it always has to be dark magic. Um, it could be like, you know, wicked magic, like from the earth and, uh, combining stuff on, on a spiritual level. Uh, how much of this do you have outlined at this point? You know, it just be, you're talking about, you have all these different levels of Ravens, all these different places it could go. So how far potentially will it continue? There's potentially 25 issues. There's five arcs and each arc deals with a different, uh, group as we go forward. Now, as we go forward, some of the characters from the first series are going to cross over, obviously, into the next series. But the world keeps opening up, and as it opens up, we you keep getting darker and deeper into this uh, place called Crab's Eye. I don't. Do you, any of you uh, live back east? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love those names in uh, in Massachusetts. Like you drive through Massachusetts, and the names that some of these towns have are just amazing. Yeah, they weren't. They were. There's like, ah, whatever. What's what's around here? Oh, um, let's see. Uh, Murdered bear. That's the name of the town. (laughs) Let's give it another. Let's workshop this a little bit. Wasn't a lot of workshopping. No, no. Uh, One thing. This has nothing to do with the book, but I wanted to throw it out there. And I teased Pete about this a little bit before the show. I didn't tell him about this. um, Crap. I do. Thank you for noticing, Dan. Wow, Dan. Why do you think that is, Dan? I don't know. He's a nice guy. See? Come on. I guess Dan's right. (laughs) Uh, You, uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but you drew the comic book covers in Logan, right? Um, Oh, yeah. In the movie Logan, all the covers and some of the insides, too. Oh, man. Are you serious? Yeah. That's amazing. It was a fun project. I mean, it was really weird uh, in this case. Fox uh, obviously had the rights, and um, yeah. but Marvel didn't want to provide any comic books for them, so they had to create X Men comics that looked like they were from the early '90s, late '80s. So I, I even signed my name on some of the covers, like um, you know, like something like Burn or something like Terry Austin or something like yeah. David Cockrum. It was always like a, a riff on those names. And then I did an entire comic book that even had like fake ads, right? With my wife in brushing her teeth or. Nice. Yeah. That had to to be fun to kind of like do the period, like 90s comic. Oh, I loved it. You know, I grew up in that era of, you know, reading comics and driving to 7-Eleven and buying buying my comics that way. Where's that that art now? Where are those comics now? 
Well, I never even got a copy. They're just, they, they made them. Oh. I'm sure they exist. Oh, man. But, but they wanted to make them fully real. So if they got thrown or, you know, it, it would lay properly. And then Joe Casada came in and penciled some beautiful pages. And um, oh, wow. I inked and colored those inside. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. That I guess we finally have a, a full excuse to break into Hugh Jackman's house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's probably got him. <laughs> We've been waiting well, for so long. It's a great excuse to go back and watch Logan again. I mean, yeah. amazing movie. <laughs> what a, like you need an excuse, Pete. I, well, uh, I got one. Dad. They did such a good job with the um, creating those those comics that when people were flashing images of those comics up on the web, people were saying, oh, I have that issue. And <laughs> Marvel Legal apparently called up Fox and said, you know, you weren't allowed to use Marvel, real Marvel comics. And so that was, you know, pretty high praise. We were happy. Yeah. Like, In your face. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Gabriel Hardman uh, worked on that movie and he did storyboards and he was the guy who recommended he was just overwhelmed with um, working on the movie and designing a lot of what, what happened. So I don't know. I got I got my favorite part. His job's really hard. My job was kind of easy. Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I would love to see those someday. Before we let you go, though, let's go back to Unkindness of Ravens. So first issue came out about a month ago now. Presumably yeah. the second issue is coming out pretty soon. What can you tease about what's coming up forward on the book? Well, like I said, it, it starts off slow, but into then some you get lots more displaying of the powers and everybody's motives become a little bit more clear there's also a section in each book called the abigail house and that's that's kind of a little bit of backstory and info for each issue cool that i i end up doing some of the art chores on so I, I i draw those parts and it's usually about four pages per issue yeah it's but, so funny to hear you say it starts off slowly because it starts, uh, for anybody who hasn't read the issue, it starts with that Abigail House thing. You're like, all right, this takes place yeah. back in time. Okay, that's cool. And suddenly, smash, you're in the modern day. Weird things are going on. You're meeting a billion characters. By the end, there's these girls yeah. standing in the woods displaying magic. Honestly, it doesn't feel slow at all. Oh, good. I'm glad. It's just a lot of stuff to kind of cram in so you kind of get a good picture of it. I, I do like the fact that you know, right off the bat, you, you, you go, oh, this, this girl, she's missing a mother and a sister. Her father has a possible pill addiction, and he's got his own pro problem. So it's, it's, it's interesting to introduce all those elements, and it really helps to have, like, a great art team, like uh, Mariana, Mariana Ignazi, and we have a great colorist. Um, it, it just the team is great, and the editors at Boom are fantastic. I mean, they're yeah. The, uh, the jump between the different art styles, I think, is so great, too, because you set a tone right up top, and then you're just propelled, and all of a sudden you lean in as the art changes. It's really nice. That's cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I like that. So it's, it gets very dark, and then you go, oh, oh, I can breathe again. And then as the series goes, Mariana's art gets darker and darker, and the coloring, man, the coloring gets better and better and really takes you, takes you there, so... Awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited, really. Every time they send me a PDF of the issue as it's coming along, it's kind of exciting to see it brought to life, because usually I'm used to drawing you know, my own my own work. Uh, I know I should probably know this offhand, but when does the second issue come out? I'm, I'm guessing maybe even this Wednesday. I don't know. I hope I don't get in trouble. Okay. I don't it. think it's this Wednesday. Exactly the month, right? Yeah. But maybe. Uh, 23rd is Friday, so maybe the 22nd. All right. Very yeah. cool. Nice. Uh, Dan, congratulations. Loving the book. Yeah, Looking forward to the it. second issue. And good luck with everything. Uh, we'll see you at Hugh Jackman's house. 
Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to be there. Ocean's Stop four. having so much fun, you guys. <laughs> no <laughs> idea how. Later. All right. Uh, once again, and a kindness of Ravens from Boom. Great book. One issue out, so you can jump right on board. Super yeah. easy to do that. No problem at all. Um, and that's great. Uh, Pete, you're right with my Logan surprise there. Yeah, that was a fun surprise. I'm always wor- worried when you're like, I'm going <laughs> to tell you something on the show. Because it's like, oh, if it's bad news, how am I going to handle it? Yeah, but, it's uh, usually like, hey, no more Punisher comic books, Pete. Did you hear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I'm going to invite our second guest. Into yeah, the Pete, stream. would you mind giving us power of attorney so we can just <laughs> deliver news to you? On, uh, I mean, yeah. we should have it at this point. So our second <laughs> guest is popping into the stream here. Uh, he's going to be writing Shadow Man coming up from Valiant yes. Comics. It's a little delayed, but we're excited to talk about it anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, Cullen Bunn. Hey. hey how are you? Hello. Good. Thanks so much Good. for coming on the show. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we're big fans of your work. You are uh, Mr. Horror, I think. We've never said that out loud, <laughs> but I'm going to call you Mr. Horror right now. All my nicknames. I'll, I'll tell you. remember you. Yeah. Is this, uh, before we get into Shadow Man, is this like, is this your month? Is October your favorite month? Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh, I pretty much like uh, everything about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, it's the month of Halloween. What's not to like? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, uh, you know, I, you've written a lot of other things, but particularly recently, you've been writing so many different horror books with such wildly diverging premises. What draws that, what draws you to that in particular? Why? Why is it that horror is your thing right now? You know, I think it. I didn't set out in the early days to be a a, a horror writer. You know, I wanted to just tell stories, but uh, I kind of gravitated to that over the years. And I, it's it's just a place. I think there are so many different flavors in horror fiction. There are so many different things that you can do. There are so many different, um, you know, emotions you can play with. I mean, we were just talking about Bly Manor, and I saw people. You guys were just talking about Bly Manor, and I saw people saying, "Well, it's more of a romance than a than a horror story," and and that's you know, it, why not both? Um, yeah. But uh, you know, and and I actually I feel like it's a uh, writing these stories is a way for me to to kind of exercise all of these uh, you know these terrible dark things and, and kind of deal with them on the page, uh, and it kind of helps me cope with the you know beautiful world around us <laughs> oh wow uh speaking of beautiful world around us that room looks like a ton of fun that you're in i'm a little worried that that uh i don't know what it is evil clown is going to come to life and stab you that's uh, uh that's sam from the movie trick or treat and uh he only he only kills people in the movie he only kills people who disrespect halloween so i oh. think I think I'm all so right. You're safe. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. safe. <laughs> I gotta uh, think all the all the action figures uh, on the top of your bookshelf are very jealous on the few that are on the main featured portions of your. Yeah, bookshelf. I got a that the top is like the 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 junk shelf. It's like all the old classic <laughs> yeah. stuff that I uh, that I'm trying to recollect. You know, that I might have had when I was a kid, or that I wanted when uh-huh. I was a kid. And then uh, some of the sideshow figures on the main shelf that my wife calls my uh, adult Barbies. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. I'm sure she's just uh, that's a compliment. Uh, there's a compliment in there somewhere. There must I'm be sure. a real f- fucked up Toy Story happening as soon as you turn off the lights in that room. Oh man, <laughs> that's probably awesome. Judge Dread running <laughs> around shooting the head in the face. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Shadow Man because right. that has been a long time coming. It was supposed to come out 
back, I think, before the pandemic, and now is coming out at some point later this year. I don't believe they've officially announced the date yet, uh, but it is coming out relatively soon. Um, yeah, I think they're going to probably announce a, an official date sometime soon for the first issue. So. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one, but what's it been like having to sit on this for months and months and months at this point? <laughs> you know, it, it's tough because, uh, you know, when we announced this at C2E2, which was right before everything kind of got shut down in the world. And, uh, and, and I was excited about it then. I was ready for people to read this and see it then. So now, you know, having to wait on it, um, it's, uh, it's like uh, you get somebody a great Christmas gift and you're really excited for them to, to open it and you just have to keep waiting because I really think people are going to like this book. I, uh, I'm excited for people to read it. Uh, people who love Shadow Man, people who've never heard of Shadow Man, I think this is, uh, is going to be a great book for them. And, uh, and I'm just ready for, I'm ready for uh, some folks to see this thing because it's a... Uh, I'm excited about the kind of story we're telling, but also John Davis Hunt and Jordy Belair are just doing some amazing things with the art. It's going to, it's not, it's not going to read like any shadow man book you've read before. It's going to look completely different from any book that's on the shelf right now. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It feels like there's a lot of uh, like full on horror sort of, uh, like working its way into the superhero universe. Is that something that you, you feel that way as well? Or, and why is that happening? Well, yeah, I mean, shadow man's always been a, you know, a a character with that foot in the supernatural side of things. And, uh, and he's connected to the dead side, which what a great, you know, what a great world to explore. Um, and, uh, and I really wanted with this book to kind of, uh, not you know he is a superhero he's always going to be a superhero but i really wanted to to go ahead and jump with both feet into the the darker horror side of this thing and and really every issue we're kind of exploring a different we were talking about, i said something about different flavors of horror we're kind of exploring different flavors of of the genre with every issue Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I saw some of the preview pages that dropped in, I guess, March or whenever C2E2 was. <laughs> uh, and the creatures look wild, like you were saying, just from the art perspective. Uh, how much collaboration are you doing on that with the art team, or are you just letting them go crazy? Well, it's a little bit about, you know, I describe the creatures um, in, in, you know, my scripts, I, I, I put an, a, a good deal of, of detail into the descriptions of these monsters if I have, you know, if I have something very specific in mind. But I, I also, at the same time, I try to leave, you know, I want, with that description, I want it to inspire the art and then just let John go crazy with it. And that's exactly what, you know, what he's done. And there, I mean, the stuff you've seen so far, it's... It's nothing compared. I mean, there are creatures coming that he designs that have three heads, and one is the head of a fly, and one is a coyote, and one is a. I mean, it's, it is really bizarre. I mean, there are some really bizarre creatures uh, awaiting readers in this book, and and yeah, he just uh, he is in it, you know, with everything he's got, and and that's you know what you saw are just the first few pages of that book, so mm-hmm. it really. Uh, it, it goes into some really crazy places. What is your take on Shadow Man himself? You know, I mean, this is part and parcel with the Valiant universe that every time you go to a new series, it is a very different take, a very specific take on the characters of the world as well. And you talked about the world now. So what about the character? What makes him different in this iteration? 
Well, uh, so in the previous Shadow Man series, he's always been at odds with this. He, Shadow Man has this loa, this spirit that rides in him and gives him his powers. And he's always been at odds with that spirit. But at the end of the previous series, he uh, became one with it. He accepted it and kind of merged with it. And that's going to change everything for him in terms of his sort of his power set and, and what his role in the world is. Um, and the thing with Shadow Man is he's, he's very powerful. He has a lot of supernatural abilities. He is tasked with dealing with these supernatural threats. But he's an everyday guy. You know, he, he's not, uh, this isn't, you know, he isn't Dr. Strange. He's, a, he's just a guy who happens to have all these supernatural abilities and responsibilities. And, and I think that's great for this character because it allows you to kind of go along with him as he's just, you know, encountering these things and, and experiencing these, uh, these different horrors. You can, uh, you can feel that, that horror with him instead of him being this guy that, oh, he knows all this. He's jaded to it all. I, I felt like that would uh, eliminate some of the, the thrill and the, the fear so uh, some of these things he's encountering, Shadow Man can't feel fear, which is an interesting, hmm. which is interesting. He, he's a guy Same. who cannot, his, his <laughs> power, he can't be afraid. So I had to play with how do you make a scary story about characters who can't feel fear? And uh, yeah, and he's just like, nah, I, don't, I don't get it. What's the yeah, deal? So, uh, <laughs> Where am I running so, from? Yeah, yeah so this is, a, this is a guy who can't fear, feel fear, ordinary fear. I got to really up the ante on him. He's got to. Now, uh, speaking of not feeling fear, where does your love of like horror come from? Was it like a movie you saw as a kid or like <laughs> did you just like when somebody got scared, you started laughing and you were like, oh, this is fun? No, you know, uh, <laughs> I I, uh, I get scared. I, I'm not a, I'm not the guy who laughs at, at scary things. I actually, okay. you know, I get scared. I mean, yeah, I laugh, but it's a nervous reaction. You know, <laughs> You know, I'm not the guy who goes through a haunted house acting like, oh, I'm the toughest. I'm the yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, this is the, I remember years Guys ago. Guys, go jump from there. The first JC's haunted house I went to with like a big group of kids, we were all at a Halloween party and we all went to this haunted house. We had to walk down a long dirt road and we decided, let's all be tough. And we were like chanting, we were like, raw meat, raw meat. And we got up there and the monster, one of the monsters said, we're going to get raw meat from you. And he said it in a completely normal voice. It wasn't like he was trying to be scared. He goes, we're going to get raw meat. And it scared me so bad. I was like, oh no, I'm sorry. He it against you. Sir, cooked me. I've always loved horror. I mean, I was reading horror comics from a very young age, uh, horror fiction i kind of got out of it for a while um and then uh in high school i decided i was going to be a special effects makeup artist so i really jumped both feet into everything horror and that just really uh it just ignited not just my love of the movies and stuff like that but it it ignited my love of the stories because then i started reading these things you know i'd I'd read in fangoria and i'd read the book book reviews and i was like well i gotta read those books yeah and it just you know it's just reignited it all for me what was your favorite like effect that you did did you do like an extra an eyeball or just like blood running down (laughs) somebody's face like one time for Halloween, I did uh, I did veins that were pulsing. I was trying to do a scanner thing where the veins were like coming up my yeah. face and down my arms, and they were like uh, they were lightly pulsing. 
uh, and that was pretty cool, but they fell off pretty quick too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, yeah. then I was just like a guy with with uh, dangling veins. Whose <laughs> <laughs> veins? Uh, sounds awesome though. We got a couple of questions here on the comments, sure. both here on Crowdcast and over on YouTube. So let me jump to those for a moment. Uh, Eduardo asks, one thing I'd be interested in, does Valiant do writer's retreats where they coordinate future storylines across the titles? I know Marvel and DC do it, but since Valiant is more based on limited series, maybe there's less of a need? Um, so uh, I haven't been part of a of a writer's retreat. We've, you know, I've met with the editors at conventions and other creators and the editors at conventions and things like that. And uh, and I definitely um, talk to a lot of the other uh, the other creative teams, and we talk about big plans and ideas, things we'd like to do going forward. Um, and we run those by the edit- editorial. Um, I'm sure if you know if let's say some big crossover type thing came up, then yeah, there would be some sort of meeting of the minds. But I haven't been part of one yet. Yeah, at Valiant. Uh, I think you answered this already it's over on YouTube, but uh, YZ Hernan says, uh, was it challenging to make Shadow Man sympathetic or understandable to the reader if he can't feel fear? Um, I don't think so, because like I said, I, I, I feel like he's a, I, I lean into the fact that he's this everyman, really. And, uh, and, and I feel like that, even though he's not feeling fear, you're going to be afraid for the people that are around him, uh, for the state of the world itself. And uh, and you'll be, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the fear comes on the reader's side with this guy, this one figure is standing, you know, if he fails, what happens? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 I think we I, I kind of drive that in issue after issue, every issue in the initial the initial couple of arcs is sort of a standalone story. So you could pick up issue three and have a complete story um, for yourself mm-hmm. or issue two or issue one. There's a, an overarching storyline. There's something, there's something bigger at, at work. So as we build along, it kind of becomes a little more, uh, you know, you have to lean on the other issues. But, uh, but I think uh, readers will really dig that you can just jump in and enjoy it. Every uh, issue in my mind, at least if I'm doing what I'm hoping I'm doing, uh, you know, you know how people, you know, in the old days, every issue is somebody's first comic. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm really hoping for here. The, every issue yeah. could become the first issue of Shadow Man, and they could get it and and run it, run with it, and enjoy it. That's awesome. Uh, this is from Josh. You seem to have hit just about every subgenre of horror. Do you have a particular favorite corner of horror, other than obviously the corner of horror in the corner of your room right now? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I have a a favorite. Um, I like right now, especially, and I, and I go through phases. Right now, I'm in this phase of fun horror. I don't want look. I love a really dark, <laughs> um, over you know oppressive horror story, but that's not what I'm after right now. In you know in the stuff I'm reading and the stuff I'm watching, I want something that that can be scary but can also have a sense of fun to it. Um, you know, so that's why we mentioned Trick or Treat. It's a fun horror movie. Yeah. You know, it's the you know, when you think about Evil Dead 2, it's a fun horror movie. So uh, I like something maybe not, maybe not just, uh, you know, not necessarily leaning into comedy horror, although I love that genre too. But right now, maybe verging that way, but uh, something that embraces like fun as well tricky. as the 
feel like horror comedy is tricky because you never want to be making fun of the the scares or just the story. Right. It's a it's a tricky line to do that sort of uh so that's why I like the term fun horror. Yeah. And I do think that's like sort of where it's at. That's what I want to watch anyway. Yeah, I mean, be. right now especially. I mean, I, I just I, I'm I'm in the mood for something that that yeah, I like the scares, but I don't want it to be uh I don't want it to be the the wor- you know, the the most uh, oppressive thing. Now, who knows? In a few months I'll be watching Hereditary again. Yeah. And, <laughs> Bring me that dark again. shit. Oh, yeah. just out on loop. I don't yeah, like yeah. that movie. The yeah. uh, trailer is all you need to really go dark <laughs> for me. Just you know, like a, a couple of a couple of months ago, I was watching. I was jumping back and forth between episodes of Hannibal and True Detective, and it was it put me in the darkest mindset. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it was the worst. Uh, oh, True Detective especially is just bleak. Yeah. It's just like, ugh, everything's yeah. horrible. Yeah, I don't need anything bleak right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, on a on a similar topic, this is a question from Joe. Is there a style of horror you wish you would return? Like for me, I miss Hammer horror movies. Oh, those Hammer movies are something special, right? I mean, they really are awesome. And yeah, I'd love to see. You know, as far as movies go, yeah, I'd love to see those Hammer horror movies come back. I mean, and the Hammer, you know, Hammer Studios is still making movies. It's just uh, not. Uh, they're not what you know. They're not the the that looks like red syrup dripping out of Dracula's mouth like uh, like I liked in the old days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, speaking of movies, and this is a wild thing given that uh, Shadow Man has been delayed for months and months, and we still don't know when it's coming out. You have a movie coming out Friday in movie theaters, right? Yeah, um, the Empty Man comes out on the twenty third. Yeah, so uh, in theaters, it's based on the book I did with uh, with Boom. Uh, there are three graphic novels that I, I did with Boom. So, uh, so yeah, comes out in theaters. Uh, it's uh, the comic, at least, is about a pandemic. So maybe it's a bit of prison. Oh, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> what are you doing to it? Oh my gosh! Uh, have you have you seen any of the movie yet? Do you have any thoughts yeah. on it? Yeah, I've seen it. It's a. I mean, it's definitely a, a movie that I would say it's an inspired by kind of mm, take okay. on on the on the. Uh, on the comic, it t- it takes it ta- you know the, the comic, like I said, is a, is about this sort of contagious insanity and all these different forms that it takes, and uh, and the movie kind of takes one of those elements and kind of runs with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a surreal it's a surreal uh, movie. <laughs> so the politic way of saying it is, you can buy the Empty Man in comic book form at stores. I think is what you're saying. Yeah, you could. Well, you definitely should. I mean, it's a different story. You're. It's yeah. not going to be one where if you read the comic, you're going to go in and say, "Oh, this is a, this is a scene by scene remake." It's its own. You know, it's its own story, and the comic is its own story, and you can get something different out of either one of them. Yeah. Uh, similarly, on uh, TV movie stuff, Jason Innocent asks, "So, what's up with the Six Gun movie and/or TV show?" <laughs> We're asking all the uh, all your favorite questions tonight. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, there are things in the works. That's about it. That's as that's as close as I can as I can get it. You know, there was a TV show filmed years ago, um, and it didn't get picked up. But there are. You know the wheels are turning as they always are. There's the the, the wheels are turning for the six gun, but uh, you know that's about all I can say on that. Hmm. Uh, It's uh, here we go. Uh, This is from Ben the Border Collie. Any plans to work with Tyler Crook again? I loved your Harrow County perfect pair of art and words. Yeah, look, I I would work with Tyler 
anytime any you know if, if he called me right now and said hey let's do a new book together i'm immediately going to do a book you know we're going to do a book together and we 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 talked just this week about different projects we want we're working on and things we want to do um it's just finding the right project and finding the time on his schedule that works um you know we're uh we we just did Manor Black together. So if you haven't read that, Tyler yeah. uh, illustrated Manor Black, and uh, and we're working on more Manor Black stuff for the future. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's a it's a matter of of timing really. And uh, you know that guy's busy. He's he's a talented guy. He's in demand. I tried to I tried. As I do with every talented artist, I tried to beat his confidence out of him and tell him how <laughs> so he would only work with me, but it just didn't work. Uh, I wanted to uh, very briefly talk about Rogue Planet because we love that book. That yeah. is one of those things that uh, Pete, uh, Justin, I think you were off for that episode of The Stack, but Pete and I talked about how impressive it was that you managed to bring everything together at the end of that book because there were so many seemingly wildly disparate elements. What was that balancing act like when you were crafting that and mapping <laughs> that out? Well, it, it's it's uh, I knew how I wanted it to end, mm-hmm. and uh, and and even even to the point that the, you know the pitch that I sent in to Oni Press was you know I ended it with and this is you know I was like this is how it ends this is the final note, and I kind of wanted to work backwards from that. I wanted it to be a book where you read it and you're like, you start out and you're like, okay, this is like a a horror science fiction movie that I've seen or story that I've read. And then I wanted to go in some really weird directions where you didn't know what the hell was going on. And then at the end, I wanted to weave it all back to this one little sort of, you know, this, this point. Uh, So it was fun because as I'm writing, I'm like, Oh, no one's going to know what this is all. No one's going (laughs) to do this. No one's going to, this is is really going to mess them up, you know? (laughs) Um, So that's what, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do with the book. I didn't know. At the time of I was that I was scripting scripting it, I didn't know how well Andy and Nick would bring that, those weird fleshy horrors to life. Yeah, I mean he, they really just uh, they blew me away with the way those those pages worked out. For anybody who hasn't read the book, uh, one of the most striking visuals in it that you're kind of hinting at here is there's these astronauts that essentially, I would call them, turn into like flesh pillars that are just going yeah, towards yeah. the sky. Very tall. Yeah. Yeah. They basically have like a gigantic fleshy antenna rising up into the sky <laughs> around them. Uh, yeah. That's great. Uh, you also have another project coming up, right? It's something that you've been teasing on Twitter or something maybe that has to do with Centralia. I can't, I can't talk about this is live. I can't even talk about it. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So I will talk about that. Yeah. I have a, we've been teasing something today. Um, uh, it has something to do with Centralia, which is this, uh, uh, there are a dozen towns of Centralia a- across the United States, and some of them have very, very weird histories. Um, and if you've if you've been paying attention to Twitter, or and if you if you haven't, go check it out. Uh, I've kind of been talking to a number of writers, a uh, number of uh, horror authors. Uh, we've got something that we're cooking up together that'll launch on Halloween. Ooh, mystery. That's very exciting. And uh, Cullen, before we let you go, just to get back to Shadow Man, even though we don't necessarily have a date right now, anything else you want to tease? Anything fans can potentially look forward to as we get closer, whatever it is, to that first issue? 
Yeah, so so like I said, uh, even though every issue is kind of standalone, uh, one of the things I really wanted to do is I wanted to introduce a new villain to the Valiant Ooh. universe. Mm. Now, Shadowman, I think, already has one of the best villains in Valiant. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they, they introduced, you know, Master Dark is awesome. Is probably one of yeah. the best villains. My hope is I'm going to introduce a character that will top Master Dark. <laughs> wow. I'm, oh. I'm, introducing, I'm introducing very slowly, very deliberately, a new arch villain that I think will just be able to play in any corner of the Valiant universe once uh, once they are fully Ooh. realized. Ooh, that is a good tease, and uh, hopefully the title will come out tomorrow, and then we can read it then. <laughs> well, that is probably not going to happen, right. but gotta believe, gotta, gotta hope, believe. To keep faith alive. Yeah, uh, Colin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank Congratulations you so much. on everything. Keep up doing everything, man. Thank you so much, so man. All right, and thank watch you. out. Sam moved a little bit behind you while I, yeah. saw, I saw someone over here starting to trying to freak me out, saying, "Did you did something move behind?" <laughs> I, you? I've been watching it since that person was like, "It moved." <laughs> it, it does move. It's an anime. It's like you know, it moves and plays oh, music. But it's that would right freak yeah. out. Oh, it, well, man. you would have freaked out. I'd have been just like that. I would have immediately reverted to my childhood when I was trying to go in that haunted house. All tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just slowly turns to the camera and says, "You want some meat?" That would be the last anyone ever saw of me because I would have a heart attack. Cullen, have a great night. Thanks so much for Thanks, coming man. on. Take care. Later. All right. Cullen Bunn, oh, everybody. Uh, that was the last we ever saw of him. <laughs> I, hope not. I, I almost pulled out my horror me. shears, but I was like, uh, hesitant. Uh, you, if there was literally any time for you to pull out the shears on this show. I mean, you hit I him with the pole. I've been burned in the past. <laughs> I really do hate that so much. Yeah. So your, face, your face in the shears is just too much. The shears are in my face. <laughs> Oh, oh, terrifying. The uh, facial hair makes it so much creepier. That's why I grew it for this moment. Uh, so just to plug his stuff again, Shadow Man coming out at some point. Valiant says that they're going to be releasing info on when it's coming out very, very soon. So take a look at their socials and stuff. Also, the Empty Man movie, surprisingly, in movie theaters this Friday. So if you could safely get to a movie theater or probably a drive-in. Maybe I would risk your life for it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, but go. definitely buy the comic. The com- oh, are we doing a road trip, Justin? Yeah, we're going to the closest movie theater oh, in yeah. New Zealand. Ooh, ooh. This episode of Comic Book Club is brought to you by Hulu's Hellstrom. Hellstrom, that sounds scary. Pete, it is scary. Hellstrom is about two siblings, Damon and Anna Hellstrom, who have a dark history and a complicated relationship who use their skills and knowledge of the supernatural to help track down a powerful serial killer. Scary. Not- Oh, no. No, 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 no. Pete, it's okay. It's okay. The show's pretty funny sometimes, too, or at least darkly comic. The cast is great. You got Tom Austin as Damon Hellstrom, Sidney Lemon as Anna Hellstrom, and Elizabeth Marvel is in it, too. And in between the chilling scares, everyone is still having a lot of fun. Okay, phew. At the same time, it's still not the sort of series you want to watch with the lights off. There's twists, turns, and plenty of gross scares, particularly for a hardcore horror fan like this guy. Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, But really, it's all about that family drama and some fun mysteries that will keep you guessing until the end of the season. And the good news is all episodes are now streaming on Hulu so you can power through and find out the answers to those mysteries right now, today. 
Okay, phew, phew. But also, it's terrifying. Stop! And emotional. Okay, all right, phew. And about how the worst demons are the ones inside of us. There's demons inside of me? Metaphorical demons. Oh, no! Hellstrom. All episodes now streaming on Hulu. Uh, very exciting. Uh, thanks most of them for coming on. And now we're going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for that, all you need to do, which all of you have been already doing so well, if you're over on Crowdcast, drop a question and ask a question. We'll get to those. If you're over on the tube, drop a question in the comment section and we'll get to those. We'll keep an eye on that. But let's kick it off as we always do with the question that nobody asked. What you drinking? Pete, what, what are you drinking, drinking tonight? What you drinking? Uh, I'm what drinking a little baki uh, soda today. You know, keeping it lean. Nice. What kind of soda? Code red? Code black? Um, Poplamoose. Oh, Poplamoose. Poplamoose. Okay. Looks like little Petey grew up this week. <laughs> uh, what about you, Justin? I'm drinking some Sauvignon Blanc from South Africa. Ooh. Blanc very nice. Uh, Justin's going to love this, uh, so I'm very excited. Uh, I yeah, got... what, what poor alcohol that fell out of the ass end of a jack-o'-lantern are you drinking? Oh, come on. Uh, well, uh, this is uh, from 21st Amendment Brewery. It's a uh, coffee IPA made – wait, here, where's the logo – Made with uh, Pete's coffee. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> you snobby motherfucker. Uh, it's actually pretty good. I'm enjoying it. It's too much. Uh, Kevin asked if I, I'm not drinking green milk. No, I'm not. I'm not. What is that a reference? Oh, right. I got this uh, Captain Crunch, this Halloween crunch. Uh, and the slogan on the front is, Ghosts turn milk green. Which is almost no explanation for anything. Like, it's not the yeah. ghosts in the cereal turn milk green. Feels like it's missing a couple no, of No, ghosts in general. Is cow ghosts that haunt other living cows turn their milk green. And um, what happened to the pumpkin whiskey? Straight yeah, Straight Bullet that? says you're supposed to be drinking uh, pumpkin whiskey. I drank that last night, uh, and it was great, but it's a lot. It's like if you went like a to lot a of Starbucks, money? put your mouth under the pumpkin spice uh, syrup That's- container... And poured whiskey in at the same time. It's like that. Oh, so I was like, this so is why, very... So we were like, oh, it tastes gross. But No, you know, I, I it was like... great. My wife put so, it on some rice pudding. That's lovely. When did it start tasting bad? Uh, no, no, no. At no point did it taste bad. It tastes delicious. If you're a fan of Southern Tier Pumpkin, it tastes like that but whiskey. Uh, so very good. But uh, I want to take it slowly. Cool, yeah. Take it slow. Cool. Let your relationship change over time. Yes. Uh, don't get it too big. Uh, Aaron over here says, Alex, plug the scrunchies. Uh, my daughter is started a scrunchies business. However, our shop is currently uh, closed because they all sold out very quickly. So I'll plug it again. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, I'll yeah, plug it again. But when once it's the back shop open opens again. up, yeah. You once gotta... the shop opens up. So you're opening a like a two-child sweatshop? In your house, Alex? <laughs> uh, yeah, my children's figures are raw. Let's get to everybody's questions here, <laughs> because we got a bunch of them. Uh, so this is from Pablo DiMartinez. Pablo. To... Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I really should have read this before. Please, Alex, bring the questions. Yeah, read it first. Uh, read it first. No, it's I too late. I already not. said we're going to read Pablo's question. Uh, you, this is... you don't have to do it. <laughs> you don't have to do that. No one knows Pablo's question. Yeah, Pablo's question is, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? That's not what he asked. 
Mm. It's a good, I mean, uh, if we're talking Ben and Jerry's, I'm going to have to go with American Dream Cone. <laughs> oh, Josh That's, says we uh, can all see it on Crowdcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, just ask the question. I'm, not, I'm never one to shy away from a Sure. Uh, hate to go in on a political position, but oh, what do you guys think about the situation between Ice Cube and his trying to talk to the Trump administration about the black community? Uh, first of all, Pablo, thank you for coming to our comic book show yeah. and asking. <laughs> I got to say, that is a very uh, specific political. Well, <laughs> and, and pop culture. Yeah. Uh, Pete, you're our resident rap expert. What do you think? Yeah. Well, Slash see, this- SVU expert. Uh yeah. This, this is tough because I'm ride or die cube, you know, and, you know, a lot of people are getting on cube for working with the Trump campaign, but he was trying to get things done. He was trying to do something to better the black community. So I'm going to not going to then turn around and be like, you went to the wrong side. You shouldn't include, uh, you know, he tried to make a difference. It didn't go the way he wanted it to, you know, uh, Trump claimed Ice Cube, but really didn't take a lot of what he was saying, you know, just kind of cherry pick some ideas. So I don't know, man. I feel like Cube's getting a lot of shit for trying to make a difference. And it's sad to see, you know, like he tried to do something, you know, he put stuff out there. Cube is great for generating content. He wanted to see things like the big three and stuff like that. So he's trying. He's trying to do stuff. He's not just collecting paycheck he's he's trying to do stuff so i ain't gonna be mad at him yeah i I think that's well said and uh i know justin and i both have really strong thoughts on this but uh i think we can probably move on to another question (laughs) (laughs) uh this one is over on youtube recently 50 cent came out in support no i'm kidding oh my god (laughs) could you imagine if all of our questions were about that very This is from Nelson Martinez, actually, over on the tube. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Which spooky stories were better, Goosebumps, or Are You Afraid of the Dark? I was a huge fan of both. Hmm. As Pete Uh, says, good people on both sides, you piece of shit. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, Goosebumps meaning the books, because it was only later, was it? Uh, I definitely was a Are You Afraid of the Dark guy. Yeah, and I never read the Goosebumps books. Uh, I know R.L. Steinhive will uh, come at me, but uh, I I was an Are You Afraid of the Dark guy. Uh, I was neither. Uh, I will say uh, Goosebumps always seemed kind of kiddie and dumb to me just from the covers, so I never really picked it up. Um, I like scary stories to tell in the dark. That was or the scariest stories you've ever heard. There's a story in that. I think that was the name of the book. Yeah, and it was about a, a, a father and son who went on a fishing trip, and they went into this little weird lagoon. And then one of them, I think the dad, got pulled under. The kid barely escaped. Maybe it was two brothers. And then it come to find out it was a flooded graveyard. That fucked me up forever. <laughs> wow, man. Uh, to get stuff. back to the question, uh, yes, uh, this is yeah. part of the. This question. is part of the question. Okay, all right, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I. Um, Goosebumps to me also was a little cartoony, but we read a Goosebumps book not too long ago that was really well done as a comic. So that kind of was like, oh, maybe I was a little wrong at Goosebumps and got to go back and check it out. But uh, yeah, Goosebumps, I don't know. I must have missed it. Um, the Afraid of the Dark was more my my thing. You're a little older, Pete, so it makes sense. I did a report in uh, high school um, about um, 
Fred Wortham and uh, the uh, what was the book Corruption of the Innocent? Yeah, most people um, call him Frederick Wortham, but I guess you guys were friends. Well, I did a report on him, so <laughs> oh, I was very okay. close. Uh, and I uh, related because that that was all about just how comic books are ruining people's uh, ruining children, ruining this generation, and compared it to R.L. Stein and Goosebumps and all of that, and how. Now it's not controversial, but comic books still carry that stigma, I think, for a lot of people. Um, so I've done some research on Goosebumps. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Uh, I, I hung out with R.L. Stein at a candy party once. So same thing. Wow. Wait a second. What? What's a <laughs> candy party? I went to a Halloween party Wait, at Dylan's What's candy a candy bar party, Alex? For adults? And yeah. Uh, like no, it was, it was supposed okay. to be for kids. It was at a Dylan's Candy Bar in New York. Uh, it was for Halloween. Took my daughter there. Flex. She hung out. Uh, you could eat all the candy you wanted at the store, which was pretty amazing. And Arl Stein was there, and he was just kind of hanging out by himself at the party. And he didn't look sad or anything, but I was like, nobody's talking to him. I've never read Goosebumps, but I'll go talk to him. And I had a very nice conversation with him for like half an hour. He was a very pleasant, uh, funny man. He used, to hang around the, he used to hang around the UCB theater a bit. He did a yeah. bunch of shows uh, uh, for a time. Yeah, that was and crazy. Then later on, the theater died. That's Colin Bunn was talking true. about Centralia, and I was like, "Is he talking about the improv group Centralia?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows. No, nope. nope. Uh, the answer's no. <laughs> no, he was not. He was talking about the tire fire towns. It's a great improv uh, group, though. Here we got another uh, political question. Let's go to that. Uh, Joe Wait. says, <laughs> "What? Stop." Pete? Stop asking political questions. No, this is more. No. This is more on par with the comic book. Nothing against okay. Pablo. Pablo, thank you for your question. Thank you for thank you for your question, me. Pablo. Yeah, I'm a very political question. person. I love politics. I read too much. Yeah. Uh, what are your all thoughts on Eric Kripke's comments that? And I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, modern superheroes have an undeniable fascist underpinning to them. So the myth of the superhero taken straight, that's where it starts to become fascist because they're protecting a world that doesn't and shouldn't exist. <laughs> Superheroes are inherently MAGA. Wow. Uh, what do you think about that? And Justin taking into consideration that he's your boss. Yeah, uh, also, uh, not technically, but I'll take it. Um, okay. I, I think, I mean, I, I think he's being a little heightened, uh, Especially because <clears throat> he doesn't treat all the superheroes in the boys as the boys TV show as fascist. Homelander, I think, is uh, Stormfront, obviously, but he he finds other stories to tell in there that aren't inherently fascistic. Um, so I think he's being a little bit pointed based coming out of the show. Um, and as for the point when it comes to comic books, like I I see that, but I don't think that's not the point of comics. So many, it's not like all comic book characters are inherently trying to uh, use power to dominate people and uh, vigilantism isn't about upholding the state or uh, pushing a uh, a state point of view or something. For, for the way most comics are written, it's about sort of a, a person-to-person uh, conversation. And- yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, there's... There's obviously a lot of variations and a lot of different types of stories that can be told through superheroes and comic books. But for the most part, at the ideal, it's more about inspiring people. I think this is something he said elsewhere in the interview, but he was talking about the MCU movies. 
and how it lulls people into this false sense of security of uh, heroes coming in and saving them versus them doing anything. That's a debate they have in the movies, right? Like, and the idea of Captain America is not, thank goodness Captain America is going to save me. It's Captain America inspires you to be better on a daily basis. So you go out and do heroic things that you can do with your level of strength, which is not super soldier level strength, but it's your own level of strength. And I think that's not fascistic. Uh, that's not MAGA or anything like that. That's inspiring hope in people to help others, no matter the cost. Yeah. I also think MAGA's an even further step. Uh, MAGA is such a dime store version of fascism that is just like not based on nothing. Uh, when fascism, they had like all this other shit they were trying to do. MAGA is just like, I'm Trump is cool. <laughs> it's like there's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's even wor- it's flimsier than fascism in general. Yeah, I mean, as being is being pointed out in the comments, uh, there are certainly stories where superheroes are fascist. That certainly Indeed. happens. Uh, Frank and Miller. I think, like, yeah, like you were saying, Eric Kripke, he's doing The Boys. That's his point of view. He does a great job there and yeah. knows the inherent subtlety between these things. Um, sometimes you say things, you know, to be reactionary or make a point harder than you mean. I've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done that either. I I do think that it's one of those things where I like the fact that conversations like this are happening. You know what I mean? Like it's important to look at heroes, dissect them. What's this about? Be creative, explore different ideas. That's cool. But I think, um, you know, it's just a blanket statement like all comics are fascists or all heroes are fascists. It's just ignoring a lot of cool, interesting things that people have done over the years. But I do think it's important that we should examine things and put them under microscopes and be like, yo, what's this really about? You know? Yeah. But yeah. Look and, at your comics under the microscope and see what germs are there. Uh, yeah. and, and a little correction here from Adam Lawson, uh, who points out uh, that he must mean manga. So superheroes are inherently manga. That makes I mean, a lot that's more fair. Sense. Yeah, that's fair. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, I just hope in, in the next couple of weeks, every comic that comes out on the stands is going to feature every hero and villain going to the voting booth and voting. Jesus Christ. Uh, they have that in the DC books where they're like, voting is important. And I am number one voting fan in America. But you are the is... number one voting fan in America? Yeah, this is Those crazy pages, too much. They're too much. Wow. Like, Shut <laughs> Alex. Wow. Get out of here. Uh, anyway, uh, Danny Ali and YouTube asks, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream for reals? Ooh. Pizza at Americone Dream? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Stan, That's your favorite in, uh, flavor? Is that the Stephen Colbert flavor? Yes, it is. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Wow. It has chunks of truthiness in it, right? Dipped in chocolate. I mean, what more do you want, man? A little caramel in there? Come on. Pete, you're a you're a bandwagoner. You're just jumping on these like fad flavors. Get back to the basics. Get back to real ice cream. Like I want ice cream that's flavored like ice and cream, like they originally made. <laughs> Why do you need all the chunks of shit in there? What is your favorite flavor, Justin? Are you like uh, ice cream's terrible? It's like yeah, what are you gonna uh, say? Like mint chocolate cold, chip or something yeah. old timey? Like what's up? I like corn flavored ice cream. No, I like. <laughs> um, if I'm being medium honest, I would say maple walnut. 
if I'm being fully honest, chocolate chip cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Um, uh, I I was talking about this the other day. I don't know if this is my favorite flavor, but this is definitely a flavor I miss. Uh, did you ever have coffee, coffee, buzz, buzz, buzz for Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what is it with you? <laughs> you're just I feel like you're trolling me. You're like, ah, I drink this coffee flavored beer, but pumpkin whiskey. Oh, my favorite thing, coffee buzz buzz buzz. Hi, bye bye. <laughs> I'm a dude. It was a it was a coffee ice cream with uh, mocha chunks and chocolate covered espresso beans in it. Oh. And I believe they discontinued it because it was just too much. <laughs> You'd eat it and just be like Eventually, Alex, you're going to pull off your this clear mask <laughs> and reveal that you're Jubilee from the X Men '90s cartoon. <laughs> yeah, oh like god, a I, mall rat. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Uh, but yeah, generally coffee ice cream, which uh, Aaron is, is pointing out of the, co- the escalator. <laughs> Aaron is pointing out coffee ice cream is sold, man. I don't care. It's delicious. It's delicious, yeah. Aaron. I like uh, re- ice cream that's flavored with responsibility <laughs> and paying your taxes. Wow. Uh, ben the Border Collie says, any movie, TV show, comic that scared you as a kid that seems ludicrous now, minus Tom Cruise movie legend, couldn't watch it past the first 10 minutes. Uh, that's a good choice. That is a pretty fucked up movie. Uh, but for you guys, any any movie from your childhood that... Who, Seems silly in retrospect. Who framed Roger Rabbit when he t- took up the thing and it had the cartoon eyes? That freaked me the fuck out. Mm. But now you think it's stupid? Yeah, now I'm like, eh. No, no, that was legit scary. That movie was just unsettling in general mm-hmm. because of humans and cartoons. Yeah, and I just saw Cool World and I was like, what is going on? Mm. So there's a lot of sex and violence <laughs> happening for you. <laughs> No wonder you're so weird about sexual comic books. Yeah, exactly. You're you're, you're mixed up. Uh, Well, one thing, um, I love the movie The Rocketeer, but something that bothers me from since I realized this till today is there's a point in the movie where they are in the bottom of a blimp and then they eventually get to the top of the blimp and they crawl out of a hatch in the top of the blimp. As if to say they crawled through the hydrogen on like a ladder <laughs> and then they get out of the hatch in the top of the Ever since I thought of that, I was like, fuck. Bumps me out. Man. Uh, I feel like most of the things that totally freaked me out as a kid are from uh, scary movies. Uh, the two that I'm thinking about offhand, which I'm sure I've talked about on the show before, but um, I walked in on my parents watching Poltergeist. Exactly the moment when the you <laughs> thought you that sentence parents, was going to go a different way. Yeah. I wonder you're scared of it. And uh, I always think about uh, ghosts whenever I have sex from now on. Uh, no, uh, the the clown. Yes, Joe calls it the clown yeah, scene. The Joe typed that just as you said it, it was kind of yeah crazy. the clown scene. Uh, just as that happened, that freaked me out. Obviously, I'm over it because I married a clown, but uh, that was uh, terrifying at the time. <laughs> or is that why you married a clown? Yeah, exactly. You've been chasing clowns ever since. Because you walk in your parents' no, watching no, this I scary movie. I'm over they, it. It's like TLC happy. said, don't go chasing clowns. Stick to the circuses and carnivals you're used to. You know? yeah, <laughs> nice, true. nice, nice. Um, 
Alex, you walked into your parents having sex in clown makeup, and you've never been able to move on. <laughs> uh, let me say the thing that I was scared about, and I think I've talked about this, is the movie Nothing But Trouble. Um, Sorry, Aaron. Aaron wrote, uh, what if you buried that clown? That clown and, yeah. uh, I'm still not sure. <laughs> That's going to be a great late-life reveal. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, I'm that clown. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, all right. Plenty more questions here. Um, here. Here's one. We keep going back and forth between ridiculous questions and political questions. But Michael Vinoy on Tube says, have you voted early? Um, I know yeah. that's not the point of the show. Pete, you voted? Oh, yeah. Voted early, man. Wait, I mean, are you Pete? a Pennsylvania voter now? Oh, yeah, bro. Fuck yes. yeah. That's great, Pete. That's a huge vote. Mm-hmm. Very excited for your vote. Gosh, I'm glad you voted today. Joe, nice Joe. work. Nice. Um, early voting starts here uh, this weekend, October 24th, and I am very excited to do it on uh, that day. Yeah, me too. I got. I was going to do an absentee ballot, but I was one of the Brooklyn voters who got sent the wrong ballot. Uh, so instead, I'm going to do the early voting in person. Um, highly recommend. A lot of people, in case you're listening, in case you haven't voted already, in case you haven't made a plan, I know that's not the point of the podcast, Make a plan and then make a backup plan, uh, particularly with mailing in votes because the postal service is so slow right now. You got to get it out right now as quickly as yeah, possible yeah. because it may take a while. Um, but if you can do in person safely, do in person safely. That's I, the way to go. I truly love the process of voting um, in my neighborhood here in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, um, for the primaries. Um, it was there were so many poll workers there. It was there weren't a ton of people, but um, the uh, person next to me was uh, like I don't know eighteen or nineteen, and. Uh, they said first time voter and everyone applauded in the room. It was Aww. so cool. I loved it. And I am so excited um, for this election. Uh, and people are voting like crazy. Mm-hmm. I read today um, the number of votes in Texas is already more than uh, Trump got total in 2016. Wow. I, I read it on Twitter, so I hope it's true. But um, that's exciting. Florida voting is so good and to get mildly political it's highly democrat uh focused Mm -hmm. it's so exciting i am so happy it's great and i see everybody here in the comments is saying uh that they voted already which is awesome um so if you haven't get on it way to be everybody uh this is from kevin what are some of your favorite aspects of comics as a medium for horror what do you think they can do in a way other media may not Uh, great question yeah, just to jump in here, uh, we've talked about this on the show quite a bit, particularly in terms of lock and key, yeah, that it's hard to do horror because you can your eyes can skip forward on the panels, so you can't really have those jump scares. The reason we talk about that with lock and key is that's something Gabriel Rodriguez and Joe Hill, of course, when he's planning out the comic, do particularly well is they pace for those scares. Um, but uh, what else? What do you think specifically? Because that's sort of like a roundabout way of answering it. Well, I do think pacing is the part that's really uh, that comics can really manage well Uh, in a horror movie like, oh, I missed it. Uh, Oh, wait, what was that? Like, oh, I heard the noise. And then it's just sometimes uh, even the classic. You you missed it because you're usually looking at your phone instead of watching the screen. No, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying like. There are moments where you can be just out of joint with the way the story is being told. And with comic books, the, the panels allow the, the pacing to be very specific and controlled. And I think that helps a lot. 
Also, artistically, like I think the uh, the Hulk book that Al Ewing does is such a good example of this. The horror you the art allows you to just stretch and play in a frozen panel in a way that uh, horror movies just just don't do. Uh, horror movies always move so quickly, and if you can really achieve horror in a comic book where it's a still image, like then you've got a hit on your hands. Yeah, I think the key is drawing the audience in because for a horror comic to really work, you've got to be hanging on each panel to panel. So, like, finding a way to connect to that audience and have them really kind of sucked into this world and the art is a huge part of that. And uh, you've got to kind of feel like you're right there with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Gabriel Rodriguez kills it in that aspect and kind of brings you along for this ride. And there's also the answer to the question that artists absolutely hate, but I still think is kind of true, is the no budget in comics thing, uh, where, you know, at, at a certain point, at a certain level of horror movie, there's only so much you can do with the monster. In comics, you can make them look however you want, uh, which is kind of great. You can have a flesh uh, antenna going all the way up to the sky, and it doesn't cost anything extra, necessarily. Yeah, because in real life, you have to actually just have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They had to build that for what was it? Uh, AT and T. They had oh, flesh towers first. <laughs> yes. They yeah, started that, with oh, flesh towers first. That's a conspiracy then, theory that Pete believes in. Yeah, five <laughs> G's flesh towers. <laughs> uh, question for the tube from Scott Carpenter: Did you guys already talk about DC Future Slate? I have no idea what it is. Uh, thought, no, we had. I, well, I just want to interrupt. I thought it was uh, Scott Carpenter going to ask a question about his dad, John Carpenter. Uh, yeah. Which Scott, your dad does amazing work. You know, much respect to the family. Yeah. Also, the uh, shout out to the original carpenter, Jesus. <laughs> wow! Oh, <laughs> yeah. shout out right there. Oh, great. Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, old um, uh, this old house episodes featuring Jesus, and he mm-hmm. what a renovator! I, guys, uh, I think incredible. it's pronounced Jesus. Okay, uh, you're saying that. Okay, that's a hundred percent. Uh, but back to the question, DC Future Slate. Have you guys read about this one yet? Have you heard about this one? Wow. So this is uh, a <laughs> stand-up comedian over here. Open oh, DC. Hey, DC. Hey, you heard about this? Oh, they got a uh, fifty-two worlds. Fifty-two worlds. Have you heard about this? Uh, so DC What's Future Slate. Future Slate. I don't know if this is blowing up your spot, Pete, on what's coming on during trivia about comic book news. I don't want it's, to. Uh, I think you mean topical comic book news. Topical. And don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Pete's topical news. It always hits a certain mark. <laughs> uh, Future Slate is the thing that's coming after Dark Knight's death metal. It flashes forward. I honestly don't remember how many years, uh, but a couple of years into the future to show the future of the DC universe. So new heroes have taken up the mantles. Uh, everybody is in a different place. And that's going to be the entire line for two months is going to be like that taking place in this future after death metal. Um, I I haven't honestly read too much beyond about that, but it certainly seems like one of those line-wide things that DC does to kind of give them a chance to jump in and get caught up on the schedule on whatever is next. So I don't think it's going to be the permanent status quo. Maybe they'll take some elements and weave them back into the main DC universe. But for the most part, it's going to go forward with new creative teams after, I believe it launches in January, so March. <laughs> Pete. Uh, Pete, you're sorry, Pete. I'm boring. Yeah, yeah, just, you know. 
Oh, yeah, no, it's eight twelve. Uh, you know, March, uh, maybe. Eight, yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, Pete. Uh, I, anyway, that that's what I know about it. So. Never apologize. That was good. That was good news. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, we're journalists. I, I we're journalists. No, we're I like we're, we're yawning journalists. I like when DC does events like this. DC one million. I really enjoyed. I think that was a, a good event, and then it allowed the creative teams to uh, take something, uh, an outside influence or an outside sort of. It's like a, a suggestion at an improv show with your beloved Centralia, Pete, um, and. Uh, I'll let, weave that into the story, change up the story. Uh, well, or another team could just like sort of push into a whole different place. And uh, that's what I hope this does. Uh, here's a question from a crowdcast from Hollywood Homer. Would you take compound V or give it to your children? Wow. That's for uh, you guys. I'd have a sip. Yeah. <laughs> just like, give me a sip. Just a little sippy poo. On A through U, give me V. <laughs> um, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've dreamed my entire life of having superpowers. I'd absolutely take compound V. Would no you questions. give it to your kids, though? Um, not n- unknowingly. Yeah, you I wouldn't would accidentally give it to them. Is what you're saying? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it without their knowledge. Nice. Oh, okay. So after you've like flown around for a little bit and then come back down to earth and you're mm-hmm. like, Hey kids, you want to try this? Yeah. Or Should- I'd wait until they were, you know, legally adults so that they could make their own decisions about that sort of thing. Ooh, wow. That seems That's a true. more responsible way of treating Alex, just think how many scrunchies they could crank out if they had superpowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. That is Scalvin very scrunchies, true. big bucks. Man, I could uh, be making, I mean, she could be making a lot more money. Uh, Eduardo oh. says, with the new Mandalorian season coming up soon, I'm surprised there's no spinoff series yet. In that absence, any favorite Star Wars comics that capture that same style of exploring dark corners of the universe? Mando! I think the Darth Vader comic was um, very good. Uh, I, don't, I don't really want to see that TV series uh, very badly, but... Um, it is weird. We're not to get into a whole Star Wars conversation, but it is weird where Star Wars is right now. It's really just Mandalorian and mm-hmm. and yeah, then a series it. of rumors, um, which is crazy in light of Marvel. Any other like uh, established and working huge IP or major franchise, uh, Star Wars is sort of in a place where it feels like ah, we fucked up a little bit recently, and we don't quite know where to go. Mandalorian worked. We greenlit that before we fucked up, and so now we're going to do that until we can't. But they have to. Th- there have been a, another a bunch of other TV show announcements, but they seem far away, right? Well, yeah, I mean, there's the Obi Wan galaxy show far away. What? Uh, nice one, Pete. He uh, just fell asleep. He woke up and said that. <laughs> <laughs> Apropos of absolutely nothing. Galaxy uh, far away. Drug <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's the Obi-Wan series, which uh, had some rumors of conflict behind the scenes. We don't know whether that's true or not. Um, certainly, Ewan McGregor was like, it's fine. We're just uh, working on some stuff. Yeah, pay no attention. Um, but they, uh, the thing, oh, I'm waiting. Justin just walked away. I actually had a point to make to him. I don't know too, where he went. Too bad. No. Yeah, he went yeah too he's got to go. Oh, here he is. He's back again. Uh, so Justin, I wanted to say specifically to you, uh, I don't know if you read about this or know about this. Have you heard about this? Have you read about this? Justin, um, you know about this, but what is the deal I do think like a little bit of a wrinkle on the whole 
Star Wars isn't exactly a working thing is the news that came out today that Lucasfilm is doing their first non-Star Wars thing since 2015, which is a Willow sequel series on Disney Plus with Warwick Davis and Ron Howard on board. John M. Chu is going to be directing it. Hey, hey, uh, are you fucking with me right now? I'm 100% no. not fucking with you. Because no, I have totally... not heard this. Yeah. Did you not read the email? It was in the email, bro. A sequel to Willow? A sequel to Willow. Okay. Willow. In the, in the sequel, the can TV you feed series? Can you feed a baby black rope? <laughs> yes. uh, it's weird. That wasn't in the press release, uh, but I assume so, yeah. <laughs> Is Mad Mardigan great? In this sequel? <laughs> they didn't say anything about Val Kilmer, uh, which was uh, my first question. Um, but I assume if they if they can somehow get Val Kilmer back, they will. Uh, I mean, uh, if it's going to be pushed off into the future um, and we're going to feel uh, the repercussions of the disappearing pig trick um, and Bav Morda will perhaps return from a dimension that um, is very far away, uh, the two-headed dragon will maybe come back for a little bit of revenge. Um, I'm here. I'm here for it. Yeah. But I do think, uh, uh, pursuant to the Star Wars discussion, it is pretty telling that their next announcement was not, here's our next Star Wars series, or here's how we're doing on any of the series that we've said you have in development, that it's instead they're pivoting to another Lucasfilm property and going in with Willow. I mean, let me just say, Star Wars is definitely in bad shape if they're like, let's pivot to Willow. (laughs) 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 That's how you know they fucked up, where they're like, oh, shit, let's pivot to this movie that was not popular when it came out, but a couple of random people love it. There is, though, uh, John M. Chu, and he did say this, uh, on Twitter, he named his daughter Willow because he's Whoa. such a big fan of Willow. So he at least yeah. seems like the right guy to take it on. I threw the name out with my uh, children. Kaya, also. Great name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alora. Uh, sure. No shame in that. Oh, wow. I may have suggested Kitty for my daughter. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. That's awful. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, this... <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm reading through questions now. I'm vetting them. Uh, this is from Mike Bedeke. If you hit your head on a hike and couldn't really travel out of foot, what national park would you prefer to be in? Wait, I didn't vet that one at all. What is that a reference? It's crazy you like bragged like, about vetting, vetting a question. You bragged about vetting you know a question. <laughs> and then you ask a question that is wildly unrelated. And I'll tell you what, I love this question. I'll tell you, you know what it is? I've been at the other question. I was like, hmm, I don't know about these. But this one, I did it for you. Yeah. Yeah, nice. What is this a reference to? I don't know if you know how vetting works. You don't just do it once and then see what happens. <laughs> That's how we got this president. That's exactly right. Oh, boy. Uh, so which park would we want to bump our head in and then try to get out? Get out? <laughs> um, I'm yeah, which national say- park would you prefer to uh, bump your head in? I'm going to say I, en- Enchanted Forest Water Safari. That's, <laughs> where the fun never stops. That is, uh, you've been lied to by your parents if you think that's a national park. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but you know I love that Enchanted Forest Water Safari, and the fun truly never stops there. And that is a water park in upstate New York that is barely a thing. Yeah, yeah, barely a thing. There's like uh, two to follow up on what Pete's saying. I would say Dorney Park is uh, the national park that I would like to hit my head in. Is that that's another amusement park? Right? That's another water park. Yeah, nice. nice. Uh, I could get my way around Adirondack Park if I bump my head. Ooh, yeah. 
Nice. Great question. Disneyland? Uh, here, I'm going to go vets. The desert. <laughs> I would be bad in the desert. I don't like heat. Yeah. All right. You know what? I think we're going to wrap up these questions here. <laughs> Are they all just politics? Uh, uh, no, no, no. They're, they're various things. They're all great questions, and you're all great if you ask them. Uh, but I do think we're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete the Pie. All right. The Star Trivia. Here we go. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. Now, Pete, it's- before you go any further, I just have a, one quick question. Um, you, uh, the trivia always focuses on topical comic news, making yeah. you sort of a, our news arm or a news organization within Comic Book Club. Wow. Have you considered an endorsement for the presidency? Um, and uh, what, are, what are you, what's the Pete, uh, Pete endorsement? Exactly. Pete is the true journalist of comic book. Life. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what you're getting at. I think we all know who I'm voting for. So is it Joe Jorgensen? Yes. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So you can't Jason, write in stuck in on a cheesesteak. Can't you? <laughs> that's though? Not, that's not. Can't a, you? This presidential election, <laughs> 2020, vote for sucking on a cheesesteak. That's right. VP Frank Castle. That's uh, what a VP ticket. White Castle. Oh! <laughs> Alex Bird. Oh, I'm going for Halloween as sucking on a cheesesteak. <laughs> My costume is confusing. I'm, I'm going to go with White Castle. All right. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news. Um, Pablo did have his hand up. He was first hand up guy. If we want to, but I don't know if you want to check the tube first or. No, uh, we haven't had anybody on the tube. I invited Pablo into the stream. So we'll see if he comes in here to challenge you once again (laughs) on your political knowledge and topical comic book news. Sweet. All your questions are about Ice Cube's political point of view, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every single one of them. Nice. Will he show up? Will he show up to this debate? I don't know. Sometimes he has internet uh, issues, you know. So, mm. yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. I guess he can always happen. answer in the oh. comments. Hey! Hey! Pablo, Pablo. new locale for Pablo. <laughs> oh man, okay. Pablo, great to see you. Uh, I'm going to read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. $25 will be yours, Pablo, in the form of the gift card to Midtown Comics Online. I'll do my best, sir. All right. Question number one. What comic book streaming service says it will stream new comics three months earlier? Is it A, Comixology, B, Marvel Unlimited, or is it C, Kathy Baker? So it's going to be A, or it's going to be B. It's gonna be B. That's right. Nice. Yeah, nice, Pablo. Flexing the pipes. Love it. Question number two. This quarter has reported a 42% increase in graphic novel sales in bookstores in which continent? Is it A, Europe, B, North America, or is it C, Bob Odenkirk? So it's either A... Or it's B, and you're closer to $25. Uh, it's going to be B. That's right. All right. Pablo, working North, confidently through this quiz. North America, 42% increase in graphic novel sales. I like the sound of that. 
Last one. Here we go. Question three. Sci-fi meets pro wrestling in what new Kickstarter comic? Is it A, Mother Trucker, B, Jacked in Space, or is it C, Brandon Hurt? So it's either A, and $25 will be yours, or you will be completely wrong and win nothing. Uh, I'm going to win something because it's A. Yeah. yeah. Pablo, you've done it again. Nice Good work, job, sir. Pablo. Great to see you. Congratulations. You won a $20 gift card to Midtown Comics. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we'll get it right after you. Thanks so much. You're Have looking a good, night, good Pablo. Pablo. You look like you've lost some weight. You feel fresh. It's great oh, to no, see he's you. He's gotten. He's got. Okay. Well, just throwing a compliment out. As we all know, tomorrow is new comic I, book I, day. I'm just saying, uh, in case people are wondering, the Robin Williams movie is Boulevard. Oh. Boulevard. Great. Wow. Really uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel there. Yeah, let me know when you start just fully making these up. <laughs> okay, like I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Hmm. Uh, as we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day. What are you all looking forward to, Pete? Kick it off. Uh, I am looking forward to Something is Killing the Children, number 11, hmm. as well as the next Umbrella Academy book, uh, You Look Like Death. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what about you, Justin? Well, there's a lot of fun stuff coming out tomorrow. Um, I uh, new Rick Remender book called Scumbag coming out. Very excited to check that out. And got to get up for Black Magic, uh, another book I really like by uh, Greg Rucka and uh, Nicola Scott. Uh, I'm excited for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina presents Madam Satan number one. Uh, There's a fun thing that Archie Comics is doing now uh, where they're releasing these one shots that like kind of tie into their TV shows, but don't necessarily contradict the continuity, which feels like a very smart thing to be doing right now More. and madam satan of course great character so that should be a lot of fun and of course all of those are going to be reviews and many many more in our stack podcast that huh. goes up at the comic book club feed and the stack feed at 9 a.m on wednesday so definitely check that out and folks i think that's it for our show oh, First of all, we want to thank our amazing guests for coming on the show. We want to yeah. thank Dan Pinozian. Check out An Unkindness of Ravens from Boom Studios. Great book. Colin Bunn doing the upcoming run on Shadow Man coming out for Valiant Comics. Stay tuned for more info on that. Also, next week, we're going to have two other great guests who are going to be on the show. Uh, Francois Vignol uh, from Oni Press's Titan is going to be here, as well as T.E. Marshall from In Teddy We Trust, which is basically a killer Teddy Roosevelt teddy bear comic. So Pete's going to be all in on that one, I'm sure. Also, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. We have our Umbrella Academy podcast. Umbrella Pod Academy is ongoing right now. New episodes. Very fun episode coming out. Uh, Episode two was a wild one for this. Yes, we we were a little loose. Not like this show where we're all locked up. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to this show. Comicbookclublive.com for this show and more at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Until next time, everybody. Have a good week. Remember to vote or register to vote. You're awesome. Next week will be our scary show. Haunted Halloween-esque show, perhaps. Terrifying. Telegraph your